This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, welcome to another episode of the well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and today I got the chance to sit down with Ronnie Bowen, a.k.a. Fitter Bowen on Instagram, a journeyman pipe fitter from Florida. We talk about the process of joining a union and the journey to becoming a journeyman. He gives some insight into x-ray testing and keeping your cool when under pressure. He also tells about some of the moments when things went wrong in the field and the importance of trusting your team instead of panicking. Do you want to tell the listeners who you are, what you do, if they're not familiar with your work? All right. So my name is Ronnie Bowen. I go by Fitter Bowen on my social media accounts. I've been in the trades. It'll be 10 years in January 2023. 27 years old. I got into a pipe fitters union when I was 18. So I was fresh out of high school. I did a five-year apprenticeship program through pipe fitting. It's a commercial and industrial trade type of work. They taught me how to pipe fit as well as weld. They put me to work for multiple contractors. And then I was able from there to build my reputation with a select contractors that I wanted to work for, that I was able to work for. And that's what I do now. I work for a mechanical contractor, a union mechanical contractor, one of the biggest in the South. I've actually been a foreman for them for the past three years. I run a service truck for them. It's got a welder on it and all the tools you could imagine. But it's pretty much, uh, it's not an on-call service, but it, we, there are days where we do work, you know, 24 hours, sometimes longer. But it's good. I mean, the good money, good benefits. I do better than my, a lot of my friends I go to college, so... Well, and that's the big thing that we're trying to spread is the knowledge of like, yo, if you get a trade, you're going to be set up. You can go and do it anywhere. There's a huge demand for trade jobs right now and a very small demand for people with a business degree. True, it's true. So when you started in the union, can you kind of describe what that process is like when you join and then like going through the classes and then start working? Yeah, so it pretty much, I think the only requirements are needed, you might high school diploma or a GED. And I got in right out of high school. I was 18 years old. Um, you fill out an application and you send it in and it gets approved and classes start. And we go through an interview process. And then once they you know accept you, which they pretty much accept anybody. So, and then classes start in, I think, August, just like regular school. And pretty much you do, so a first year, a second year, a third year, a fourth year, and a fifth year. And each year you're adding more stuff on. The first year is kind of like the basics. They teach you a lot about the union. You get sworn in. And I'm not saying the unions are for everybody. You know, I mean, there's pros and cons to being in a union and, and not being in a union. I think one of the pros at joining uh, a union is you're going to learn from guys that are really skilled. You know, you know, union guys, they're the best of the best. So and they get paid the best and they got good benefits. So the first year they teach you pretty much about what it's like to be in the union and what the, the history of it is, you know, and I, I believe it's a five-year program because this stuff you can learn fairly quickly, but it's the experience that is, is what takes a long time, right? You can't teach experience. So I think that's why it's five years, which just seems like a long time. 
but five years is going to go by anyways, whether you go to college or whatever you do. So but anyways, the first year as an apprentice, like I said, is they teach you mostly about the union. The second year, they teach you about drawings, how to read prints, how to draw isometric drawings, and how to lay out piping systems. Third year, they do a little bit of pipe fitting and a little bit of welding. And then fourth and fifth year, the school I went to, uh, Local 803, that's when you really start getting into the pipe welding, fourth and fifth year. You know, my welding instructor, Val Kazia, he, he is a great welder. Uh, he has a, at least 20, um, probably almost 30 years experience. You know, he's the best welder I know. He'll get you right. So he taught me how to weld. He taught me how to stick weld, TIG weld, MIG weld. I mean, you name it. So it's a, it's a great experience, but I will say that it is not easy. Getting into something when you're green, basically, you know, you have zero experience like I did. It's not easy, and, and the guys don't make it any easier. So there's a lot of shit talking that goes on in the trades. I mean, you're working with grown-ass men. They've been doing this for a long time, and then you get into the trade, and they're going to pick on you. They're going to make your life hell, and you have to do everything that they don't want to do, you know, almost like a grunt. But it's all part of the process, and it teaches you how to be tough. It, it teaches you grit, and it teaches you how to talk shit as well. So <laughs> you get on those other jobs, you know, and, and you're not the lowest guy in the totem pole, you know, you kind of know how it goes. It's, it's definitely not easy. I wouldn't say it's for the faint of heart. It's not for everybody, but if you can hang in there, if you can listen, if you can show up on time and uh, you got a little bit of common sense, I mean, you can go really far in the trade. And once you're done with the apprenticeship, you know, you get a, a journeyman's card. So you're a certified journeyman pipe fitter. The school I went to, they did pipe fitters, plumbers, and HVAC technicians. So I got my journeyman's card for pipe fitting. I can use that anywhere in the country. And I believe also Canada, I think Ireland, Australia, and some other countries that are connected through the UA. They teach you something that nobody can take away from you. You know, it's a trade, it's a craft, it's something that you always have. So I think it's great for younger generation, especially nowadays, like you said, where can go, well, not, it's not that everybody can go to college, it's that everybody that goes to college isn't going to, you know, necessarily have a work. I feel like there's an influx in that, whereas the blue collar road, is a little bit less. Now there's more of a demand for us. So I think it's a great time for people to get in. Whether you join a union or not, I think, you know, we're out there working with your hands. You can make a lot of money. And I'm proof of that. I mean, I do that. I have a family. I have a wife and kids and I have a house and, you know, I pay all my bills. I got, I got my shit together, you know? So yeah. I think that it's a good route to take if you, if you want to get into the trace of joining an apprenticeship. Saying like a pipe fitter versus a pipe welder, you got to know how to weld the pipe to fit it. And I hear a lot of guff from pipe welders where they're just like, yeah, you better have a good fitter or else you're going to be doing some Texas oh, TIG yeah. sometimes. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I mean, coming through the program, I, I was taught how to weld by pipe fitters. So I know the best welders I know are pipe fitters. So I think that in a lot of cases, most welders were pipe fitters at one point. I know some people go to just welding school or, you know, somebody in their family might be a really good welder and they can teach them how to weld pipe. But from my experience, people that have go through welding school and they get their welding certs and now they're ready to find a job and they have zero experience, but they say they can weld and, and all this stuff well it's hard for them to find a job because they don't have the experience and not only that these schools even in an apprenticeship class i mean they teach you how to weld perfectly in the most perfect conditions mm -hmm. well out in the field it's not going to be like that like you said you're going to have big gaps you're going to be in tight spots you're going to be welding old pipes new pipes you know 
So it's a whole different animal. So I think that's why it's important to do the apprenticeship route because you're going to be working in the field, gaining that experience, as well as gaining that knowledge at school, which you need for the trade anyways, but mostly experience. And like you said, fitters, welders, to me, a fitter welder, you always have a job. If you're just a welder, right? You're just a one trick pony. You're going to have to go from job to job to job. And those guys make tons of money too, but you got to chase it. I don't, I don't necessarily want to travel a bunch. I, I have traveled a little bit for work, but I have a family and I have kids now. So I like to kind of build my roots where I'm at now. And that's, that's pretty much what I've done. I had to adapt to do that. You know, I had to be good at pipe fitting. I had to be good at weld. I had to be all around well, because we do all types of piping applications, not just, you know, weld pipe. You have a pretty decent following online. Was it just you post it? I, I love how you always post motivational stuff where it's like, get out there and get it. You know, it's like you're never going to make money if you're just sitting down. When you were growing your social media, was it just you posting stuff out on jobs or is it just things that you're super interested in? Yeah. So it's funny, you know, a lot of people ask me that. I think my social media account, Bitterbone, that I recently started, it I think it just turned a year old. But originally I started the account to build a digital portfolio for myself and the work that I do. Because I know that the, you know, the world's moving, technology, future, right? Everything's online and everybody has a resume and says what they do. Okay, well, I wanted to create something where you could actually see what I do. So that way, if I wanted to work somewhere else, contractors could, hey man, look at his Instagram, look at all the work that he's done. He's done this, he's done that, he's done this, and he's done it well. So that's why I started posting. I just wanted to share my work because I take pride in my work, but it was to build that digital portfolio so I could have more job opportunities and I could actually show people this is what I do and not just tell them. The funny thing is, it just, people really started liking it and it came, it started to turn into something more than what I wanted it to be. So all the things that I have accomplished so far on social media, it was never the goal. The goal was just to create, you know, like I said, a digital portfolio of my work that people could see. But it just so happened to be that there's a little, I feel like there's like a, a niche in the social media right now for blue collar trades. And I just happened to, I feel like get in at a, a window of opportunity at the same time. But no, all the work that I post is it's in the field. I am starting to create content in my garage as well as on the side, but mostly everything that I post is real world situations. It's what I do. It's meant to show other people that this is what I do and you can do it too. That's my favorite part about it. I like the, you know, the glam part about it and it looks badass and, you know, making cool videos and, and stuff like that. Like that, like of course that stuff's cool. But my favorite part about it is educating people, showing them how to do things, a better way to do something, maybe a trick of the trade or something, something that's gonna make your life easier, and you're not gonna have to go through the same experiences I did to figure it out. They're saying there's need of upwards to three hundred thousand welders in the next two years because that's how many people are retiring. Imagine if all that knowledge was online, like what you have done. That's what I think this new age of social media and online teaching like all this stuff is not just to be like oh look how cool i am it's we need to share this knowledge this knowledge right. is disappearing there's not people that have 30 years experience in the right. trade there's people like you that you have 10 years in but you have a lot more knowledge than someone going to their first day in welding school right Right. Yeah. I found your stuff before Fabtech, but we ran into each other down at Fabtech because you do work with Osborne abrasives, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I do work with Osborne Abrasive. So they're an abrasive company. They make, you know, all your wire wheels and stuff like that. But they also make tons of other things. I mean, they make the bristles that go on the bottom of, you know, automatic doors at the grocery store. And the list goes on and on. They're a really old company, I think like 140 years. But yeah, they reached out to me earlier this year after seeing one of my videos of me making a, a mirror weld in a corner on a gas line. And they thought that was really impressive. So yeah, I kind of been working with them a little bit, helping them promote some of their products that we use in the welding industry industry like wire wheels and stuff like that to prep our materials but yeah meeting you at fabtech was great and like i said i would have known that you reached out to me earlier but i just i hadn't been checking my dms i was so busy but I, after that i was like man i gotta start checking my dms so i checked <laughs> it every day now and i gone through all my message requests and I, I message everybody back and now i stay on top of it every day because i don't want to miss you know any opportunities like the one i almost missed with you so i'm glad that you came and saw me at fabtech I feel like that is on my side, just in the in the podcast world, communication with welders is a very difficult game because like sometimes it's social media. It's easier to get in contact with people. Some people just want a straight up email. Some people right. are in 2006 and they're on Facebook and that's only oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way they communicate. Funny thing about welders is just like a stereotypical welder, you know, he's very he's full of himself. A good welder. He's full of himself. He knows his trade. You're not going to tell him how to do his job and he's good at it and he knows he's good at it, but they're not always the most sociable people. And I think that me being a little bit more sociable has helped me grow my social media, at least because I want to share the stuff that I do. You know, I'll be at work and I'm like, Hey man, can you take a picture of this? And they'll be like, dude, why are you taking pictures of this? You know, they did cameras just make them feel weird. Some people, and that's totally fine. Like I get that, but I'm part of the younger generation. You know, I'm only 27 years old. So I, I know how social media kind of works and I'm excited to share the stuff that I do. But I know a lot of the old timers, you know, where all the knowledge is the guys that I learned from, they could care less about that stuff. They, if they would just put a little bit work into it, I mean, it, they would, people would love it, you know, because they have all the knowledge and stuff. But once you do start reaching out to other welders and stuff like that, that are kind of on the same wavelength as you and they're putting their material out there, whether they're welding pipe or, or welding structural, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, we all have welding in common. It's a really cool community to be a part of because there's so many different avenues that welding is a part of, but welding is what brings us all together. So I think that's really cool. So when you learn how to weld pipe, at least in my school and doing like a certification test, you got to go uphill on a 5G, correct? Sure. Yes. In the field, there's a lot of downhill. When do you just as someone who is in the pipe world, what is right. the difference? When do you use uphill? When do you use downhill? It depends. Some, some applications, specifically gas piping applications, gas lines, they run a lot of downhill, right? They're going to run 60. They're, sometimes they run 60, 10 all the way downhill. And I believe they'll run 80, 10 all the way downhill. I have never ran any 80, 10 rod. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. The gas lines we work on are there for hospitals. They're for uh, hotels and stuff like that. So they're not these massive gas lines that they're working like on the pipeline and stuff like that. But typically those are your downhill welders from what I know. But yeah, everything that I learned in school was all uphill. Um, of course, I do know how to downhill. It is faster in some situations. But like when we're making x-ray welds, I'm running 6010 uphill. I'm running 7018 uphill. Everything's uphill for us. Personally, I think that uphill, it's easier to control the puddle. Downhill, you really, you're, I mean, if you think about it, gravity is pulling everything down. So when you're running downhill, 
that puddle starts to run on you because gravity is pulling it down. And if you don't stay ahead of it, it's going to gobble up in front of you and it's going to mess up your, your puddle. So that's one of the benefits of running uphill. I think it's easier because gravity's pulling it down while you're going up. So it's honestly naturally making your puddle stack better as you're going up because of the gravitational pull. Um, I might sound silly, but I think that's pretty accurate. It's just different piping applications that allow downhill. From my experience, I've worked at industrial plants and powerhouses. Everything we've done, they all want to see uphill, but I've never worked on the pipeline. I see these guys online that work pipeline and they're running these big 532 rods and they're running downhill. And, cooking, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it looks cool. And I've even asked people I know, hey man, let's get some big rods and let's run downhill. Like some the guys that taught me how to weld. And they're like, you don't need to know how to do that. People who downhill can't uphill, but you can downhill because you can. I'm like, it's a little bit controversial with downhill welders and uphill welders because your downhill welders are typically, I would say, your your rig welders because they're out in the pipeline and they know what they're doing and they're really good and they get paid really good. And then you got uphill welders running low high 7018 and they're working, you know, your your power outages your powerhouses, you know, you're making those x-ray welds. And like I said, it's your piping application specific. It depends on what you're welding, what your parameters are, and what the inspector wants to see when the weld is done. That adds an extra layer of stress. Everything you got to do is get an x-ray. How do you stay calm? How do you stay in that flow state? That's something that comes with experience, right? You know, the first couple, so you get your certification and you've passed your x-ray. You know, I had to take a, I think it's a two inch pipe, five eighths thick. It's an extra heavy coupon. It's a TIG root 7018 out. And I think that's the B31-1 certification, which is it certifies you for most, almost all process piping, which you find in, you know, your power plant and stuff like that. So my first x-ray job I did, I was nervous. It was on 24-inch, but it was all stick welds. It was all 6010, 7018. And uh, I, I busted one of my welds. I didn't bust it on purpose. Of course, I, you know, I didn't want to do it on purpose. But there was a spot in my fill pass. When I was running my hot pass, I blew through my root. And I said, man, I wonder if I'm going to, I wonder if this is going to bust me because I had never failed a test before that. I had only learned how to pass tests. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know, I didn't know what, what you could get away with and what you couldn't get away with. I didn't know the leg room that I had. So I was like, fuck it. Like I just let it keep going. And I went through and the guy's like, nope, busted. I'm like, damn. So he showed me where, yeah, he showed me where it busted. And I told him why he's like, you blew through. I was like, I know I blew through. Like I thought it would be good. Like I, I had, this is my first x-ray job that I'm doing. So he told me, and I, and once you talk to the x-ray guys and they kind of let you know what your parameters are, what they're looking for. And then you go to your next job and cause we learn how to pass x-ray welds. I think once you understand how to pass it and what you can get away with and what you can't get away with, that kind of eliminates the nerves because you know exactly what they're looking for and what to do if you blow through or whatever, cause you can fix it and then they're never going to see it. Right. I think the most stressful one I ever did was a couple years later, I had been welding pipe already for a couple years and we had an outage. We were working an outage in Bowling Green. I think it's Seminole Electric Powerhouse and they needed two x-ray welders from my company to go down south and go weld. So we went down there and I went with Val, the guy that taught me how to weld, which made me feel good because I was like, man, if there's anything I need, I mean, he got me, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But uh, so that took a little bit of pressure off me, but they didn't say nothing about what we were welding. They just said it was 24 inch pipe and some 14 inch pipe. Like, okay, no big deal. So we go out there and uh, they're paying good, uh, good money. They're paying per diem, you know, they're paying everything good and they got to stand at a nice hotel. So we show up there the morning of, and I got a fresh pearl snap on, and I'm the youngest guy in the crew, you know, so already people are looking at me like, I always have to prove myself. 
being the youngest guy, you always have to prove yourself. That adds an extra layer of pressure to the situation, you know? So we get up there and we're looking at it and there are these two big steam valves that we got to weld in. They ended up being nine chrome and I think it's 2% chrome and 9% chrome P9 and P2. And I had never welded on P9 before. So one of the guys that had welded on before, he's like, oh, it's not a big deal, man. You just got to preheat it. Just, you know, the prep's a little bit different, but the puddle kind of runs like 7018. And we were running 9018 rods. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it ran pretty much the same. And I feel like once you get to a certain point in your career, uh, all welding is pretty similar. Once you understand what that puddle does, you can pick up other welding procedures pretty quickly. So we went ahead and we did that. And it's one of those things welding that nine chrome. So the pipe's got to be preheated to like 400 degrees and it's got to stay at that temperature the entire time you're welding. It can't get too high. I think it can't get over like 600 or something like that while you're welding. It was 12 hours. We welded all day. Then the night shift came in. They did 12 hours of welding. Then the next day we came in 12 hours and we finished it. So 12, 24, 32. I mean, that's a lot of hours of welding, right? And then, so welding's all done. This is the first one that I've ever done. And the QC looks at it, looks good. Then the x-ray team comes out and they're going to x-ray it. And I'm like, sheesh, man. Like, it took like 32 hours to weld this. You know, everybody's looking at me like I'm, you know, I'm the one that's going to bust because I'm the youngest <laughs> guy out here. Yeah. You know, so I got a lot, I got a lot of pressure on me. And even, even the, some of the younger guys that are younger than me or my same, same age and they're apprentices, you know, cause they got in a little bit later. They're like, how do you think you did? I'm like, man, I got it. You know, I got it. But inside I'm like stressed out. It was a lot to get to the x-ray point. So we finally get the x-ray team comes out and they x-ray it and then, and then they leave, you know, so no news is good news. So I'm like, it's good. You know, a shot, you know, but I'm not <laughs> trying to act like that, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, like got it. And then, but this, this is where it gets more tricky. So he's like, the x-ray team's coming back tomorrow. And I guess because it's such high high temperatures that they x-ray it and then they heat treat it for six hours. They heat it up to like 1600 degrees and then they cool it down. What this does, it allows to test the strength of the weld. They want to make sure nothing's going to crack. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> they, they heat it up 1600 degrees for six hours then they cool it down. Then the next day, the x-ray team comes out again and they x-ray it again and it's shot. So I was like, whew. Good. So I got that off my chest. That's probably the most stressful one I ever did just because I hadn't welded on nine chrome before. So I was a little bit nervous about that. But then we did the next set of them and it was good. It was easy. So I think that, you know, the nerves with anything you don't have a lot of experience in, you're going to be nervous. Now, if they ask me to do, you know, hey, let's get an extra. Okay, not a big deal. Like I've done it, you know, a hundred or a thousand times now. So I don't, I don't have any doubt in my mind. I know exactly what needs to be done to pass the x-ray. And I, I like being in that position because it allows me to help other people that might be stressed out. Oh man, I'm nervous. And I'm like, dude, like I've been there before. I could, I could help you get through it. And that's what those guys did for me. Like I've never welded nine chrome. Oh man, we'll show you, man. It's not hard. So I think it's important also that you're around guys like that, that will teach you how to be better and, and make you feel like it's going to be all right. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's just pipe, you know? Yeah. It does suck to bust a test, but once you put your hours in and your experience in, that eliminates all the nerves and you don't become fearless, but you become very confident in your welds and your work and everything that you have to do. That's something that I noticed going through welding school. I've been a musician my whole life and, you know, musicians tend to be pretty cocky. 
from time yeah. to time. You know, some musicians are like really introverted. Some are just like, look at me. And when I went through welding school, I came out the most badass dude ever. I was just like, I can do anything. Like, yeah. give me something, you know? And yeah. it gives you such a confidence because it, it's hard. It is very oh, yeah. hard to do. It, it looks easy when all these people online are doing it. But then once you get in there and you go and you're doing your tests, even in school. Yeah. And like I tutor at the school I went to now and you know, these a bunch of my kids are testing right now and they're just just balls of nerves. Oh, no, was, yeah, it is super difficult. And that was the hardest thing for me was I, I've always picked up things very quickly in my life. Growing up, I played baseball. I played baseball in my high school. You know, I got I was on the wrestling team. I, I skateboarded. I surfed. I did everything. Oh, I had good hand eye coordination. I can pick something up very quickly. You ask anybody that knows me, I can pick things up very quickly. And so when I got into welding and I wanted to start welding, I'm like, man, I could do this, you know? And it was so frustrating because I couldn't get it. No yeah. matter how hard I tried, <laughs> I couldn't get it. And I used to get mad at my teacher. I'm like, you're not telling me something. Yeah. You're not telling me something. There's a secret, he's like, man. No. He, he's telling me everything there is. It's just, it is the most difficult thing to do the same thing consistently. And that's what welding is. You are doing the same thing consistently. When you're stacking that metal, you're moving at the same speed. You're, you're pushing that metal in at the same speed. Your angle's at the same angle. And that's what welding is, especially when you're welding pipe and you got to weld 360 degrees. Everything has to be the same the whole way up. So the biggest thing is, you know, yeah, they were teaching me. They were telling me all the right things. But the most important thing is you have to get comfortable, right? You have to get comfortable when you're welding. If you're not comfortable, you're not going to make a good weld. You're going to get jammed up. You're going to be shaking. So that's why you need the experience because it takes so long to figure out your sweet spot and to figure out how to get into your sweet spot, even in uncomfortable situations. Yeah, welding looks easy, and it is the furthest thing from easy. <laughs> well, it can't be that hard. You could do it with a mirror in a corner, right? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, we didn't practice mirror welding in school. You're learning how to weld. You're learning how to watch the puddle, and you're learning perfect conditions, right? But there's times in the field where you're jammed up in a corner, and you can't see the back of the pipe. So you got to put a mirror on the wall, you know? So I've welded with a mirror on the wall probably five times. The first time that I did it, it leaked. It did not work out for me. Somebody else had to come in and do it for me. And the biggest thing about welding in a mirror is every time you strike up, it counts. So you cannot strike up if you are uncomfortable or if you can't see because when you're welding in a mirror, one, you can't get back there to clean it. So if you stack up metal or you cold lap metal in, in, in a spot where you don't need it, well, you can't grind it out. You, you can't reach it. So it's so important that every move you make when you're making a mirror weld is perfect. And even if that means if you're burning only one inch of rod at a time, that's just what you got to do to get it done. And that was my problem the first time I welded in a mirror. I was excited because, oh man, I'm a welder. I heard people's stories of guys doing this, but I was also nervous because I can barely see it. And so I ran that first rod on there and I, I, I ran a a big long pass and I cold lapped and then that's where my leak was because the metal had rolled over and I couldn't reach it with a grinder you know and then I kept trying to fill it in and so it, the most important thing is when you're welding in a mirror is you it's already hard to see it's already uncomfortable so be super precise when you're welding otherwise it's, it's not going to work 
everyone tries to strive for perfection, but it's like if you're working a job and you don't feel comfortable doing something, you just got to communicate. It's like, I don't, do. I don't know if I could do this. Like it, yeah. the ego has to go to the back door. And it absolutely so, does. Sure. I would love to try this, but it's a very crucial weld. I think we should probably get someone that, that yeah. might have bigger pants than me, you know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's not to say don't try it. Right. But if you do go to try it, just understand that every time you strike up, it needs to be perfect. Otherwise, it's not going to work out well. And so that's just my advice in mirror welding. That's not something that you run into every day on the job, but it does happen. And of course, you want to be that guy. You know, you want to be that, oh, yeah, you know, Ronnie made that mirror weld. Like, oh, we need a mirror weld. Oh, call Ronnie. It's, it's good to have that reputation. If you want to be the best, that's part of being the best. It's doing things that are uncomfortable. The more you do uncomfortable things, you know, the more comfortable you're going to be doing them when they arise. So that's one thing that I tell a lot of people that they get into the piping trade. They message me a lot and they're like, man, like, this is hard. Like, when does it get easier? You know, like I'm having a difficult time. And like, it doesn't necessarily get easy ever. It does get easier because of the experience that you gain and the knowledge that you gain. It'll help you not necessarily take shortcuts, but know uh, an easier way to do something. But the trade never gets easier. You just become more knowledgeable. Welders work a lot. There's a lot of overtime that comes with being a welder. But in the free time you do have, what do you do to keep your sanity? So my normal schedule is 7 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. But... I mean, there are plenty of times where I'll work 24 hours, like you said, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll work all day and then I'll take the next day off or on and off 24 hours there. The longest I've ever worked a shift was 32 hours, but it's important to get those rest days in as well. You know, the money is good, but it's important to take care of really your, your mental state. Cause I know physically we can all keep going, but uh, mentally you're going to get drained. And, and that's when you start making mistakes in my free time, man, I, I like to go fishing. I grew up fishing. I grew up bass fishing. But now I live closer to the coast. I do a lot of saltwater fishing. I'll, I do a lot of inshore fishing. I don't really go offshore too much. Hopefully in the future, maybe I can afford a big boat to do that. As of now, now I got a little boat that I use fishing for inshore. But yeah, I do. I like fishing. I go, we hang out at the beach all the time. You know, living in Florida, that's just something that you do. But uh, I used to like to travel a lot. But now that I have kids, it's really just, I like to see them happy. So we'll go to the park and hang out. But yeah, mostly, I mean, fishing. That's what I grew up doing. Fishing, surfing, skateboarding, which I don't really do anymore. Skateboarding anymore. Uh, I do a little bit of longboarding, but uh, yeah, I'm an outdoors guy, man. I love to be outdoors. Just now, you know, winter's starting to come through in Florida. I hate the gray days, man. They get, they get me down. I need the sunshine. I'm solar powered. <laughs> <laughs> a solar powered welder. Yeah. <laughs> Your social media, it is fascinating. Like, I love watching your videos you. just because it's, I love learning and you're a great teacher, but you, you. you just show different aspects of like what it's like. That's one of the things that I want to try to do for the welding community is show people, you know, this is what it's like being a pipe fitter. This is what it's like being a, a manufacturer welder. This is like right. the day to day trade. See what right. that's all about. But a cool perk that comes with it is that these companies that make stuff that you will use will reach out to you. And you've worked with a couple of different brands. What has that been like for you? Yeah, so that is all. It's all really cool to me. It's definitely new and interesting because from the brand perspective, the people reaching out to you, usually the marketing team for that brand, and they want you to help promote the products that they use. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they are products that I use and they're good products. So I don't have an issue with that. There are some companies that come to me and they want me to promote their product. And if I don't necessarily believe in your product or if I don't use it or if it's not something that I would recommend to somebody, 
I'm not going to promote it. That's just not me. Like you can, you couldn't pay me enough money to do that because I'm not going to, I don't want to lead anybody in the wrong direction. I know I hate when I use tools that don't work well, so I'm not going to show somebody something just because they, Hey, we want to pay you this to show this. No, I'm not going to do that. I keep it really real. You know, I don't need the money necessarily to, to say, and that's not saying that, you know, I have all this money, but it's just, I only promote the things that I actually believe in and actually support. But no, it's been super cool. The more that I've developed my social media now in the terms of an influencer perspective, so to say, and it's funny because they 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 look at me as an influencer. I don't see myself as that. I think that word is that kind of funny. You know, it's like, oh, well, welding influencer. Like, nah, to me, whatever. That's what you guys want to call it. But to me, I'm just a regular guy. just like everybody else. And I'm just trying to spread the knowledge and, and promote the trade. But it's really cool working with other brands and especially, you know, certain companies like Osborne, they want to take care of me and they want to bring me to Fabtech and they want me to be a part of their company. You know, I think that's really cool. And like I said, if, it, if it's a company I support, I'm, I'm, I'm there 100 percent. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And that's just how I've always been. The brands, they're really cool to work with. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's its super cool to have brands reach out to you and be like, hey, we want you to do this. And I'm like, and, and, and I support them. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so I get excited about those kinds of things. I Is there a great. disconnect with the, the lingo ever? It's like you have a marketing person and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, there it's completely. But they love that because they get to hear a real world end user. They get to hear the, the lingo that pipe fitters use and that welders use. And that's not something that they're used to. The lingo comes out all the time and I'll say something and they'll be like, what, what is that? And I'm like, well, that, that's what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to think of something right now, but I'm going blank, but it happens all the time. Well, that's like how I kind of feel like talking to, you know, I've got a bunch of friends that know nothing about welding. You get excited about something. You just learned like this cool trick and you try to tell them it's like, yeah, you know, it's like you can just bust off the flux and use right. it. They're like, what? Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. I was. I told them that it's great for prepping my coupons. And they were like, coupons? What, what are coupons? And coupons are, you know, the pieces of pipe that we use for like a well test or something. That's what we call our coupons. And they're like, oh, okay, we thought we were talking about something. I was like, no, they're like, oh, that's great. You know, so they note stuff down like that. Like, oh, well, th that's called a coupon. You know, that's what they, they're cleaning their coupons with this. So then it allows them to be more relatable with the end user because, I mean, lingo is everything. With any trade, it doesn't matter what you work in. If you know the lingo you can relate to the guys. It makes it so much easier to get things across to them. What has been like your biggest failure as a welder so far? Like the biggest time you just totally dropped the ball because those are the moments that people usually learn the most. So, I mean, I've definitely failed. I've popped the x-ray. I did that. See, it's hard because in the field, when something doesn't go right, you know, there, there are two things that you can do. You can quit yeah. and say, I can't do this anymore. Or you can hang in there. You might not know how to fix it, but you can reach out to somebody who does. I'm the type of person that when something isn't going right or I can't get something to work, I'm like, who do we got to talk to? What do we got to do to figure this out? Because I'm not going to just quit. It's not in my nature to just give up. I think, you know, all of my failures, they haven't been like this extravagant failure, like, oh man, like a total meltdown. It would probably <laughs> be like me forgetting uh, a takeoff of a fitting when we're putting together a big piece. And then it, we got a crane out and we fly it up there. And 
oh, it's it's too short because we've took off too much or something. Then we got to bring it back down and rebuild it. Those are the most common types of failures. You know, it'd be like a fabrication failure. But it has never been something like where I was going to get fired or something, you know, really Catastrophic. bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was nothing like that. And I think that just really has to do a lot with how I look at things because there are times where, like I said, where I did forget to take off or I, I, I thought it was this and it was that. As far as like emergency type situations, I, there was one time where I thought it was probably my most panic. I don't really panic, but I, I was I was panicking in this situation. So we were working at one of the theme parks here in Orlando, big theme park. We were working on their gas lines down underneath the hotel. I was cool with the the maintenance, uh, the head of maintenance, and he they were renovating the kitchen on the fourth floor, one of the main kitchens. So he's like, hey, Ronnie, can you come up here and we want to cut this pipe and it's a gas line. We want to put a cap on it because we're not going to use it anymore. I'm like, yeah, that's no problem. So we go up there and I got two other guys with me. I have an apprentice and I have another journeyman with me. So we get up there and I, I get with the maintenance guy. I'm like, you where are the valves at for the gas? Because I want to make sure they're off. He's like, well, there's this one and then there's this one and then this one. So I tell Chris, the journeyman, put a pipe wrench on and make sure they're shut. He's like, yeah, they're shut. Okay, cool. So we go down to where they want to cut it and there's not a valve, so we can't bleed the pressure off. It's just a, a long piece of pipe with a cap on it and they want to shorten it because they want to put a piece of equipment there. And it's a two inch gas line. And so I tell my apprentice, okay, go ahead, you know, cut into it. So he cuts into it. And, you know, typically, even though you have the valve shut, there's still a little bit of residual pressure on there. So we'll cut into it. We'll let the pressure off. Well, he cut into it with a porta band and it just starts spewing out. Like clearly the valves are not shut. Oh, no. You know? And that's a problem we run into with a lot of these older places. The valves don't, they don't work properly. But in this case, you know, the gas is just spewing out. We're on the fourth floor of this hotel and it's busy. The building's full, the rest, the other restaurant's full. And so they open up the dampers, you know, to try to let some of the gas out. And you got people in there like, should we get out of here? Because it smells like gas bad. I mean, it is coming out. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, boom, like yeah. we're going to blow up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, this is it. This is it. We're all going to blow up. It's all my fault. You know, this is... This is, this is over. People are like, should we get out of the building? Like the people that are in there and I'm panicking. I'm like, yeah, everybody get out. Everybody get out of here. But then my journeyman who has more experience than me, he's like, hold on, Ronnie. He's like, calm down. He's like, got, they got the dampers open. He's like, let's go downstairs and let's shut the main off. So I'm like, all right, Chris. So we went downstairs. We shut the whole building off. We shut all the gas off. And that caused a lot of problems, you know, because now nobody's got hot water. The other restaurants in the hotel, they can't cook. Everything shut off, but it had to become a safety thing at that point. So we went ahead and we shut the whole building off, let all the gas out, went back upstairs, cut it, welded the cap back on, and we were good. But that was probably the most panicked I had ever been because, <laughs> and I had recently just became a foreman. You know, I hadn't even been that long. So everybody's looking at me like, what do we do next? And I got to have answers for these people. And gas is spewing out, you know, natural <laughs> gas is spewing out. And in my mind, like, we're all going to blow up, you know, and I'm panicking. Yeah. So it's good to have those guys that have that experience, you know, with you, because I know a lot of guys that have a lot of experience and they don't, they don't want to be foreman, right? They don't want to be in charge, but I still like to have those guys with me because you, you have more experience than I do. You know, yeah, I got to put all the responsibility on me, which is fine, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving up in the trade, so. You know, maybe one day I won't want to be a foreman either. But right now, you know, that's that, that's the path that I'm on. But I, I like having those experienced guys with me. That way they can help me get through stressful situations. Because I'm younger than everybody in the trade, they all, a lot of guys do have more experience than me. So I think maybe that's why I have never had some like crazy failure because there's always been somebody there that has been through that before and helped me get through it. 
Yeah. So that's really important to have is to have those experienced guys. And now, you know, now that I've been doing this almost 10 years, my experience almost matches theirs. There's not too much that I haven't seen that they haven't seen. Now, those guys that have been out on the road and work nukes and stuff like that, yes, they have way more experience than me. But as far as, you know, the company that I work for, I'm pretty much at the top with the rest of the guys that are there. Now that taught me, you know, I put my time in. I'm kind of right there with them. And, and so it's becoming harder to learn things quicker, you know, because before I was able to learn it from people who had experienced it. And now most of the stuff I learned, I learned through experiencing through myself, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and then working through it myself. That's where the welding community comes in great because, you know, there'll be a situation where, man, I, I've never seen this before. And I can put it out there and be like, hey, man, has anybody seen this before? And then that person that has experience before, they have more experience than me, then they reach out to me and teach me something. So I think that's one of the great perks of the welding community on social media is being able to have access to multiple people who have multiple different experiences than you, and they can help you get through some challenges that you may face on the job. It sounds like you have had quite the eventful career so far. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we do that is really scary and sketchy. And at first, like, man, we're going to do we're going to put that in there. We're going to do that. You know, we're going to work on this while it's on. And a lot of pipe fitting is dangerous. And, you know, we work on natural gas, we work on high pressure steam. You know, we work on high pressure water lines, mains. So, you know, we work on acid lines. I mean, anything you can any chemical or power source, I mean, that you can think of, it, it runs through piping. All the trades collectively build the infrastructure, but at the end of the day, I think that's why pipe fitters and pipe welders are some of the highest paid in the trade is because all the power that the city is using or that a hospital is using or the energy, you know, it's all traveling through the pipes and then it it enters the equipment or enters, you know, whatever it may need, you know, whether it's powering a building, it all travels through pipes, so... I think that's one of the main reasons why there's such a demand for pipe fitters and pipe welders is because they carry a lot of the infrastructure on their back. I mean, they really do. For people that are just getting into the trade or they are in school or they just want to kind of get to the next level, what is the biggest words of inspiration you can give to them to to just make it happen? So if you're just getting into the trade, you have no idea what, like when I got in, I was 18. I had never welded pipe. I didn't even know what pipe fitting was a trade. I didn't know any of that stuff. And these guys were super tough on me. They used to mess with me. They would have me go get things that didn't even exist. And I would be looking for it and I would never find it. You know what I mean? And they would have me So there's a video out there. I probably shouldn't even say this, but there's a video out there somewhere that my foreman took of me when I was a first year apprentice. And the well, the welder at the time, his name was Scotty Robinson. He was he's really good sick welder, and he's welding. I so I'm working with three other journeymen. One of one of them's a foreman, but uh, he's welding, and he's telling me that when he goes to tie in his weld, that I need to I need to pinch the leads, like kink the leads when he ties in, (laughs) because it'll help him tie in better. And I'm like, no, that, that ain't true. And then I got two other journeymen and tell them like, no, dude, we do this all the time. Like with a straight face, you know, and I don't know any better. So I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? So he starts welding and he's getting closer to tying it in. He's like, pinch the leads. And, you know, I'm over there pinching them. He's like harder, harder. And I'm struggling <laughs> to pinch these leads, you know? So that's the, that's the kind of stuff that, that you're going to deal with being brand new at anything. 
you know, especially in a blue collar trade, being being brand new at something, you're going to get picked on a lot. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, these guys, if they're picking on you, it's it's probably because that they like you. That's my biggest advice for people just getting in, in, in the trade is there's going to be a lot of shit talking. There's going to be a lot of stuff that really is going to get under your skin, but that is what makes your skin thicker. So just take it with a grain of salt. Just show up on time, listen, and... Pretty much, if you can do those two things, if you can show up on time and you can listen, <laughs> you'll be you successful. Will be, you will be very successful. It surprises you how hard it is for one, people to show up on time and two, people to listen, right? Because everybody wants to be like, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, you don't know, okay? And even if you do know, just listen, okay? You're not you're not in charge. You know, you're, you're new to this. That's the, the biggest advice I have for people just getting into this trade. It's not easy, but if you can show up on time and you can listen and you can take the the comments and, and you know the shit talking with a grain of salt, you know you're gonna be just fine because that that those are just the three main things that will get you run off anywhere, right? You don't show up on time, you're gone. You can't listen, you're gone. You let people bother you and you get all butthurt on the job site, you're gone. You know, so if you can do those three things, show up on time, listen, and just have Roll fun with at the work. punches. Roll yeah, with go, those punches. Yeah, go with the flow. You're, you're going to do just fine. And a lot of people think, oh, man, five years is a long time or however many years, you know, to get to where you want to go. Well, the time's going to go by anyways. So you might as well just keep on getting through it. And and you can see the product of, of what you're going to become because they're the guys you work with. That's another thing is, you know, you might not always be with who you want to be with. You might not always be working with a journeyman or a foreman or whoever that you might not, that you might like, not like at the, at the moment, but that that's how it goes. You're not always going to be around people um, you like, but when you are around those people that you like, you know, do your best that you can for them. And, uh, I'm sure they'll try to keep you around because that's what I did. You kind of get not put in a circle, but you get attracted to a type of guys that, Hey, I want Ryan to work with me. I want that apprentice. I want, because he listens, he's on time. You know, I need him. And those are the guys you do that. You show that you want to being on time shows that you want to, you want to be a part of it. And listening shows that you want to learn. So when they see that they, they're, they want to teach you, you know, and then they'll start talking to you and telling you the tricks and teaching you the things that they don't teach you in school. And when you learn from the guys in the field, you're going to learn a lot faster than everybody else in, in your classes or in your school because it, you, you're learning through experience. You know what I mean? Well, that's awesome, man. I've I've really enjoyed this chat. It's cool to just kind of hear more of your story because a picture says so much. But, you know, getting getting your story is pretty awesome, man. No, yeah, this is cool, man. I could talk for hours, man. Like I said, my favorite part about the whole social media thing, and it's gotten to me on this podcast, and it's gotten to me a lot of other places so far, but I love, you know, like you said, motivating people. I love inspiring people. I love, edu- you know, helping people learn things. I think that that's what excites me, you know? So I think one day I will end up maybe being a teacher or something because I enjoy teaching somebody who, because I know how it was when I was coming up, you know, I wanted to be a weld and anything I do, I want to be the best. So I love, I love being around people like that, people that want to be the best and people that are up and coming. That's like my biggest thing is on social media or anywhere really is I, w- I want to help you be better and, and, and me helping you be better is going to make me be better. And we're all, we're all just trying to be the best that we can. So, you know, that, that's what really excites me. So yeah, this was great, man. I, I'm glad you brought me on here and, and I can, you know, tell a little bit about myself and as well as talk about the trade and, and get to know you as well, man. So yeah. thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, shoot me a message on the Weld app and let me know what kind of topics or people you would like me to have on in future episodes. Also, if you're trying to score some new equipment and swag, every month there's a mystery box of surprises given away to a lucky premium member, so make sure you don't miss out. I'm Bo Wigington, and until next week, we'll see you out there.